everybody happy? Did you have a good Christmas? How many of you got what you wanted? I'm feeling sad. I'm looking at you. A lot of you didn't get what you wanted. How many of you got something and you had uh, faith that it was what you wanted? All right. Inside you're thinking, what am I ever going to do with this? How many of you had joy giving something to somebody else? Amen. Amen. It's a great time of year, and I so appreciate all of you being here. Listen, this is the cusp of we're not only saying goodbye to a year, but saying goodbye to a decade. Can you believe? I mean, wasn't it just yesterday? It was 2010. It feels that way. Now we're about to be at 2020. Uh, We're saying hello to a brand new year and a brand new decade. And um, so let me just let you know as I begin to take up the tithe and offering, a lot of people think, well, you've got a big church. There's a lot of people coming, and it's a pretty building, um, particularly on the inside because the outside's deceptive. I know that. You drive up and go, oh, they're in a warehouse. You come in here, and it's nice. But let me tell you, we have financial need. I want everybody to say that with me. You have financial need. Some of you kind of said it like, uh-oh, he's about to give a pitch. I'm not. I'm letting you know that... For instance, to renovate the building, we had to take a loan, and we still owe 120000 on that loan to renovate the building. All the, the fellowship hall, the kitchen, all the lights in here, everything we did new, we, we took a little, not a little loan, but it was kind of little for us, but we still owe one i I'm letting you know we have needs. Now, this is the last Sunday you can give in the year 2019. Do you know that in a lot of countries, there's no tax write-off for giving um, towards a nonprofit organization. There's no write-off, but in America, we have a write-off. You can give and get credit for it. And this is the last Sunday where you can do that for 2019. So I'm asking you to pray about it. Say, well, what can I do maybe a little above and beyond normal and bless the house of God? Because folks, listen, we're touching so many people. Most of us are not aware of it at all. We're on every a radio station in every state in the union. We're on over 400 stations taking the word of God. We're in 120 countries taking the word of God. And listen, my dream, my vision, that's just the beginning. Because Turning Point is going to reach people all over the globe, starting here. We're, we're gonna, how many of you want to be in a church that's carrying the word of God to all of America and all the world. Amen? And, and I guarantee you, I will not water it down. I'm not going to get out there and try to, uh, you know, try to make people always feel good. I will edify, but I don't tickle ears. Amen? So we're going to take the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. So I want to look at this verse today and look what the Bible tells us about giving. Honor the Lord. Everybody say, honor the Lord. Now, how do I do that? There's lots of ways to do that. But here's one of them. By giving him the first part of all your income. And what will God do? He will fill your barns. Now, we don't have barns. Maybe a couple of you have a barn. I don't have a barn. But we do have a bank account. He will fill your barns with wheat and barley and overflow your wine vats with the finest wines. In other words, you can't outgive God. What you give to God and his work God will bless you sometimes in ways and with things that money cannot buy. God chooses the way that he's going to bless you. 
He chooses it. But you can't outgive God. You cannot outgive God. So when we give to the Lord the first of our earnings, it honors Him. And it releases blessings back into our lives. What a great way to end one decade and begin a brand new decade. Amen? Do I have any cheerful givers here today? Come on, that's not good enough. Are you a cheerful giver? You just can't get out and give God. Can I give it real quick? Um, I have a friend all the way back to my teenage years. And when I got saved, he didn't. And he was not walking with God for years. And God, by his grace, touched me. He eventually got very sick. And he lost a leg. And he got put into a wheelchair. And I've always thought about him, and I call him from time to time. And a couple of weeks ago, I thought, I'm going to call Greg, and I'm going to see how he's doing. And he sounded so lonely. He's in a place... uh, sort of like a, I don't know, a halfway house or a place where they, they, they take care of you. And I said, how you doing? Oh, you know, I'm doing okay. And I said, he said, when are your church services? And I told him the times. And he said, man, I would love to come. I said, well, why don't you? He says, well, because I don't have the money to get there. And I said, listen, you take an Uber. And when you get here, you tell me how much the Uber is. And I'll give you double. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get you here. So I paid for him to get here about 60 bucks because he's way out in the mid cities and he sat right there and I'm thinking back I used to drive around with that guy now I'm going to tell you the truth and get high with him isn't that terrible I hate that part of my life but it's my testimony I'm not going to dodge it and we used to drive around and do that and and so but I got saved gloriously set free but he he kept on going and, and he paid a high price so I thought, what about this now? I'm up here preaching. He's out there with a big smile on his face, amening me, and I brought him here. Now, do you know that that day I was handed something that had the amount of money to me I gave to him? You can't outgive God. Come on, everybody. You can't do it. So we're going to give today. So let's pray over the, 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 the giving. Lord, we just thank you for your your blessing to us and for everything we have we know it comes from you pray with me dear church and say lord i sow this seed into the good ground of your kingdom let somebody hear about jesus because i gave today in jesus name amen god bless you as you give
funny how, and let's, let's stand for the reading of God's word. I'm about to read just a few verses out of Exodus chapter one and chapter two. Isn't it funny how we trust God with our eternal soul? We say, Jesus, come into my heart. And, and, and then we believe and we trust that when we die, we're going to go to heaven and we're going to be there forever. We trust him with our eternal soul. Uh, we give him our eternal soul. We let him have it. But then we have trouble letting go of things on this earth, letting go of lesser things. Because there's nothing more valuable than your soul. And we let go of that, but we have trouble letting go of lesser things. We hang on to them. I was at a, my son-in-law's um, house for a Christmas meal. They have a new dog full of energy. This dog will wear you out playing with him. And this, this dog loves chasing this rope with knots in it. And, and they have a, a new house and, and a real long hallway. And I would throw that rope with the knots in it. And that dog would run so fast to catch the rope, to get the rope, that he would grab it in his mouth, but he was going so fast, he slid into the door, bang, and would come back with that rope in his mouth, but then he wouldn't let go. And, and, and I grabbed that thing, and I said, look, do you want to play or not? Because I can't throw it if you don't let go of it, but, but she wasn't going to let go. And I know I did this. She, went, she was dragged around in a circle, wouldn't let go. I picked her up off the ground. She won't let go. We hang on to some things that way, don't we? Now, I'm going to show you today that if we're going to see God move in 2020 in our own lives, he's put this word on my heart that how far we get with God, how much we grow, how much he uses us, how much fruit we bear is going to hinge on how willing we are to let go of things he taps us about. Has the Lord ever tap, 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 let go? How many of you can say he's telling me to let go of something now? And I've got a hold of it like that dog. Come on, tell the truth. All right. So I want to read to you one verse out of chapter 1, Exodus. And then a few verses out of chapter 2, I'm calling this message, Let Go and Let God. It's a New Year's message. This is for the new year, 2020. I've prayed about this, and God impressed my heart about this. So let's read Exodus 1, Now we're jumping into the middle of the narrative of the children of Israel are languishing in Egyptian slavery. And Pharaoh has begun to freak out about them. Now I'm going to explain that more in a moment. But to to damage them as a nation. Here's what he commands, Exodus 1, So Pharaoh commanded all of his people saying, every son who is born, you shall cast into the river and every daughter you shall save alive. Terrible. That's a terrible edict. Evil people and evil nations Kill children. I'm just reading it to you. A nation that does not know God will kill its children. Now, following this terrible edict from Pharaoh to kill all the male babies, this was an attempt at genocide. This was a genocide of all the Hebrew males. The Bible goes on to record in chapter 2 the birth of Moses. Now, here's what it says 
Let's just read quickly through it. And a man of the house of Levi went and took his wife, a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him. Now that's papyrus, what we make, what they made paper out of. They also built little uh, sailing, light sailing vessels with it. So bulrushes is, is papyrus. And, and they daubed it with asphalt and pitch. Pitch was the tar of their day. It was like glue. And they put the child in it and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. I want to stop there and let's pray. Father, we just thank you right now for your word. And we pray your blessing on the word of God. Now, Lord, uh, many of us, most of us, I'm, I'm guessing all of us sometime this year are going to have to have the faith to let go of something in order for you to do what you want to do in our lives. So, Lord, I pray, help us to receive this word and walk in this word. And thank you for making it live and real to our lives and to our hearts today. Now breathe a prayer, dear church, and say, Lord, today I receive your word. Renew my mind, build my faith, for it is the word of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Now before you're seated, I want you to tell your neighbor something. Don't look up and tell me because I'm looking at you. I'm telling you what to say. Don't tell me, but tell your neighbor, let go and let God. Amen. You can be seated. Now, let me give you a little background. We all know that the children of Israel got into Egypt via Joseph. Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery. That's another message, another story. But his brothers sold him into slavery. He gained favor with Pharaoh. He became second only to Pharaoh. And in a time of famine he was able to bring his entire family from the promised land, which was in a terrible famine, down into Egypt. It was the will of God. Joseph brought Jacob, and Joseph's brothers were all of the heads of the 12 tribes of Israel. It was God's way of preserving the chosen race, the Hebrew race, and assuring that Jesus would one day come out of that race particularly out of the tribe of Judah. And so there they are, and they begin to multiply and they begin to grow. Well, as time went by, the Pharaoh that knew Joseph and Joseph died. And along with them, all of the 12 patriarchs, they all died. But the children of Israel continued to multiply, and they grew, and they grew bigger and greater and bigger and greater and the Bible says that a Pharaoh replaced the Pharaoh that had known Joseph, and the new Pharaoh didn't know Joseph, had no affection for Joseph, had no attachment to the children of Israel, the Hebrew people. And instead of loving them like the Pharaoh who had worked with Joseph had loved them, this Pharaoh began to be threatened by them because of their growth. They really had actually grown to be a nation within a nation. It was a nation of, of Hebrews within a nation of Egyptians. 
the new Pharaoh looked at this and he said, whoa, we're in trouble. Because if they keep on multiplying the way they're multiplying, one day they're going to overthrow us and we're going to become subservient to them and they're going to take over Egypt. And he began to be threatened. And so he thought, what can I do to stop these people from multiplying and becoming as great as they are? Well, he tried several things. The first thing he tried was increasing their workload. He had them making bricks out of straw. And what he did was he increased the quota that they had to make every day. And it was a back-breaking quota. Nobody could do it. It was impossible. And he thought, if I can just work them to death, then I will hinder their growth and we're no longer going to be threatened. But it didn't work. They just kept on multiplying because God's hand was on them to become a mighty nation per his promise to Abraham, I'm going to make you a mighty nation. So then Pharaoh conceived an evil thought. He said, I'm going to command all the midwives when they are there helping these Hebrew women give birth to their children, I'm going to command them to kill every male child. This was a genocide. This was a horrible thing. Uh, This is what Herod did when Jesus was born, and he commanded that every male child two years old and under be killed. It's the same spirit, the same devil, the same spirit of murder. So he ordered them, but but the midwives said, we're not going to do it. And the Bible says God honored the midwives. I want you to notice God honored people who refused to kill children. Okay, he did. It says he gave the midwives their own family and their own home because they refused to kill children. And so, and and they told a lie, and all I can tell you is it's a sanctified lie. I'm not telling you to go out and lie that it'll be sanctified. But they lied to Pharaoh. They said, hey, these Hebrew women, he said, why aren't you killing the male children? And and they said, these Hebrew Hebrew, uh, women, they're hardy. Uh, They give birth so fast, by the time we get there, it's a done deal. And it was a lie, a sanctified lie. Now, now again, that is not a pattern for you and I to follow. Well, I believe what I want to tell is a sanctified lie. There's no sanctified lies in the New Testament. Amen? So don't worry about that. But, but here's the deal. Um, then Pharaoh said, okay, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to double down, and I'm going to turn the screw tighter. And he commanded that every male child that is born be thrown into the Nile River. You take that male child and you immediately throw him in the Nile River. Now, the Nile River was full of predatory creatures. There were crocodiles. There were hippopotamus. There were giant turtles. There were all kinds of things. It was a terrible deal. It was a terrible, wicked command. But now the Hebrew people are not only in slavery, but they're under persecution and they're under a genocidal edict that you take the male children and you immediately throw them into the Nile River. Now, you know that they're not going to survive the drowning, but the whole idea is they would be consumed by the predatory animals. It was a horrible thing. And the Hebrew people were now beginning to grieve and be vexed by what they were under. Now, it's during this terrible time Moses was born. Moses was born in this environment. And the Bible tells us that when Moses was born, he was a particularly beautiful child. Now, the Hebrew word for that would indicate that it it meant there was something really special when you looked at him. He had the favor of God on him. 
when you looked at this child, you said he's beautiful, and and that meant there's something very special, very, there's a purpose on this child. There's a destiny for this child. There's something on this, on this little baby boy. And so it says the parents were told in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament that the parents, by faith, hid him for three months. Reading it for you, Hebrews eleven twenty three, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. So what does it mean by faith? By faith, they were believing God that as they hid him, he would not be found. That by faith, they were believing that God would help them protect him. By faith, they hid him. But you know, you can't hide a baby forever because babies cry. They wail. Their diapers get dirty. They make, they make a, a stir. So the parents knew we can't do this forever. So Moses' mother had a choice in tough times, in hard times, in difficult times. She had a choice. I can react in faith or I can react in fear. If she had reacted in fear, she would have kept trying to hide the child until eventually the baby Moses would no doubt have been found because in those days there were Egyptian spies that went throughout the land and when they found that a Hebrew mother had had a male child and was hiding him, they reported it to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh would send somebody and they would take this child and kill the child and along with the child many times the parents for defying Pharaoh's edict. So Moses' mother had a choice. I can move in faith or I can move in fear. In tough times, we all have a choice. We can move in faith or we can move in fear. I choose to walk by faith and not by sight. What about you? Come on, everybody. What about you? Walk by faith and trust God in tough times, times of persecution. And so what she did, she said, all right, now she's a very bright woman and a very creative and handy woman. So she said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to build a little boat, a little ark. And she went and she got papyrus. And she she got these long strands of papyrus and she strung them together. It's okay, David. We're real low today. Don't worry about it. And she strung them together. And then she got pitch. And and she put pitch in between these these little like bamboo type shoots. And and she made a little boat, a little basket, a, a, a a little floating vessel. Uh, and, and she thought, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make this little vessel, and I'm going to take my little baby boy, and, I, and I'm going to put him in, in the Nile River. Now, the Nile River for the children of Israel now had become the river of death. Uh, for others, it might have been where you swim and play and take a bath or whatever, but for them, it was the river of death because this is where they had to let go of, of their children. And so she said, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to put him in this little vessel and I'm going to cover him with a blanket, and I'm going to put him in the water, and I'm going to let go, and I'm going to let God. I'm going to let go. I'm going to let go of the most precious thing to me. I'm going to let go of the most precious thing I've got because, because I really don't have a choice. I don't have control. See, she, she had no control over what Pharaoh had ordered. And when you don't know what to do, here's what you do know to do. You trust God with what you can't control. You trust God with what you can't control. 
Man, I'm going to talk to us today. I want to talk real to you. How many have got something in your life you can't control and you just got to trust God with it because you can't control that child. You can't control that job. You can't control those circumstances. They're out of your control. But one thing you can do is you can trust God. You can let go and let God. Amen. And so she took the thing. I want you to think with me. Here's three months. He's three months old. He's a beautiful little baby boy. And she puts him in this basket and, and she takes it to the river. And there's probably tears streaming down her face. We know that she and her husband were people of faith because by faith they had hid him for three months. So they are praying. And with tears streaming down her eyes, she looks at her little baby boy. She doesn't know if she'll ever see him again. She's not positive what's going to happen to him. But she takes him down to the Nile River and and walks out among the reeds and places him in the water. And what we see is, as soon as her hands let go, heaven sprang into action. Amen. Amen. As soon as she let go, heaven sprang into action. And I'm going to show you how in just a moment. But I want you to say with me, let go. And let God. Let's say it again. Let go and let God. See, what I'm encouraging us to do is not just let go of something, but, but you got to do more than that. you gotta, you got to let go, but then you got to look up and say, Lord, I'm letting go so I can let you have your way and do your thing. So I'm letting go and letting God. And, and this is what all of us are going to have to do in the year of 2020. If we're going to see God do his thing in our own lives. How many of you want God to do what he wants to do in your life? Amen. So this is the message he's placed on my heart. Then the year 2020, how we let go of things, whatever God taps us about, whatever he comes to us and says, look, for me to do what I want to do in your life, what I really want to do with you, you're going to have to let go. I'm going to talk to you about some of the things we need to let go of in just a moment. But God's going to come and say, I want you to let go of this, that, or the other. And, and as soon as you let go, heaven is going to spring into action. And I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to bring my plan to pass. But if you don't let go, I'm hindering in doing what I really want to do in your life. And I don't want to be hindered in your life. I want to do, I want to bring my plan to pass. And so I'm I'm telling Jeff to preach to you today about letting go and letting God. So let me just show you how everything went down in this incredible story. So she, she goes and she lets go of this little basket and I think with tears streaming down her face, she went back home. And I believe with all of my heart, her and her husband were, were locking hands and locking faith in, in their little house and saying, oh, God, please take care of my little baby. But the Bible says his older sister was watching from a distance. She stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Now, this older sister was Miriam. This older sister, about 14, 15 years older than little Moses, it was Miriam who, along with his older brother Aaron, would help him in in the deliverance of the Hebrews from Egypt and the whole wilderness journey, the wilderness wandering of 40 years. This sister Miriam and his brother Aaron were going to be helping Moses the entire time. So she's watching from a distance, Miriam was, to see what happened to him. And the Bible says that as she watched, Pharaoh's own daughter just happened to come outside. 
and she just happened to look at the Nile, and she just happened to say, it's a good time to take a bath. And she had her handmaidens with her. Now, let me tell you today, I don't believe there's any such thing as it just happened. I don't believe there's any such thing as luck. I never tell anybody good luck. I'll say good grace. I'll say good providence, but never good luck. Because with the child of God, the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in their way. And, and so I never say good luck because there's no such thing as luck. And see, see, God can move anybody's heart. God can cause anybody he wants to do anything. And, and so the Bible says People can plan what they want to do, but it's the Lord who guides their steps. And so Pharaoh's daughter comes outside. She is the daughter of the man who has ordered the genocide. And she walks outside. She says, I'm going to take a bath. Her handmaidens go down to the river. And Pharaoh's daughter sees this little basket floating by. And she says to the handmaidens, go grab that basket. Let's see what that is. And they wade out there, and they grab the little basket. They bring it in. They don't know what's in it because she has covered him up with a blanket. And it says that Pharaoh's daughter moved the blanket off the child, and there was the baby Moses who had not yet been named. It's Pharaoh's daughter who's going to name him. He's no name so far. He's no name. And, And she looks at this beautiful little baby boy, and she says, this is one of the Hebrews' children. And... The Bible says that her heart was moved with compassion. Now, what I want you to see here is that was the hand of God too because this daughter knew that her dad had ordered the genocide of every male child among the Hebrews, and she was okay with that. But when she looked at Moses, her heart was moved with compassion. The Bible says the heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord. And as the rivers of water, he turns their heart whichever direction he wants it to go. And so here is Pharaoh's daughter, and she looks at him, and she's moved with compassion. She wants, she loves this baby. She can't tell you why she loves this baby. Folks, let me tell you something. When you're walking with God, he'll make even your enemies to be at peace with you. He'll make even your enemies love you. He'll make even your enemies do you a favor. Now here's Miriam watching from a distance, and she sees the expression of compassion on the face of Pharaoh's daughter, and she says, now's my moment. So Miriam, also being very smart and moved by God, approaches Pharaoh's daughter, and she says, "Um, you know, shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the maiden went and got the child's mother. You can't make this up. The mother had just turned loose a few hours ago, tears streaming down her face, be with my baby. Now she's being called to Pharaoh's daughter who's now holding the baby. No crocodile got him, no hippopotamus got him, no turtle got him, no drowning got him. When she let go of him, heaven sprang into action. And I get this, it gets even better. The very mother who hours before had placed her baby into the river of death, trusting him into the hands of God, is now being told by Pharaoh's daughter to take care of her own child. But it gets better. She says, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will pay you 
to do it. Come on, everybody. You can't make this up. So the woman, the mother, inside, she has to be going, praise the Lord, hallelujah. She's having a great big praise God on the inside, but on the outside, she's going, yes, ma'am, oh, yes, I will. I'll nurse this child. But inside, she's thinking, look what God has done. Look what the Lord has done. So she took the child, her own child, and nursed him. The heartbroken mother that had let go of him just hours before and turned him over to God's providential care is now receiving him back and being paid to take care of him for the very people who had ordered his death. Everybody say providence. Come on, providence. Providence is when God moves no matter what men do. Providence says that God's in charge of everything, even wicked people. Now we learn some very important things. Let me do them quickly from this story. First, when we let go, God takes over. As long as we cling to what God is prompting us to release, God's hands are tied from doing what he really wants to do on our behalf. But when we let go, heaven springs into action. It, it hinges on, swings on. The, the, the door of God's moving in our life swings on our being willing to let go of the things he wants us to let go of. It could be a relationship that's not bringing glory to God. A person in your life. Now, I'm not talking about your spouse. Don't go out of here and say, God told me to let go of you. Pastor Jeff told me I can let go of you. That's not who I'm talking about. Everybody say, that's not it. I know how things go in the church. You got to say things you didn't used to have to say. So I'm not talking about your spouse, but here's the deal. A relationship. Somebody's in your life that's dragging you down. You know they're dragging you down. And the Lord may say, hey, it's time for you to put some distance between you and them. Say, but Lord, I can't imagine life, doing life without them. But I'm about to show you, he'll always give you something better. It could be bitterness or anger. Somebody has hurt you or offended you, and you don't want to let go of that sanctified grudge. You say, I'm not going to let go. They deserve my anger. They deserve my unforgiveness. They deserve the look from me when I see them. How many of you have gotten that look from some in-laws and outlaws during Christmas? See, people hang on to grudges like that dog hung on to that rope. And they don't want to let go. But what we don't understand is beyond letting go, just beyond letting go, just beyond practicing forgiveness, God will spring into action as soon as you let go. It can be a dream, a certain direction that you've always believed you would go in life. And, and you want to go there. It's where you've always thought you would go, that direction, that way, doing that thing. And God says, I want to do something else. So I want you to let go of that dream, and we don't want to let go. But as soon as we let go, God gives us a new direction, and the new direction is always better than where we were headed. Anything we let go of in obedience to God is always replaced by something better. Though at the time it may seem hard to believe something could be better than what we're clinging to. See, we hold on to things believing I can't do life without that. That's always been in my life. I can't let go of even sin. Even a sin. There are sins that we cling to. I have a thing about M&Ms. I have a thing about chocolate-covered 
peanut M&Ms. They're red and they're green. Okay? And, and it, it, I caught myself. It's funny how I justify eating those things constantly during Christmas. Because I walk by and they talk to me. They're in a little jar and they talk to me. Jeff. And I say, I say, nope. And then I say, here's what I do. I go, well, they're, they're so little. Just a couple of them are okay. It's the holidays. So they talk to me when I walk by and I grab two. And that's the way we do sin. We say, this is not a chocolate cake. I'm not eating a big slice of chocolate cake. It's just a little sin. It won't hurt me any, just a little here, a little there. But the deal is we love it. I love those M&Ms. I got a problem with those M&Ms. I need deliverance from those M&Ms. I got to move them from my sight because I, I, I grab a couple. But then I go by again soon, and they talk to me again. And before I know it, I've eaten the whole bowl in one day thinking I'll just eat one at a time so it's no big deal. But by the end of the day, I've inhaled about 50 of them. And now it is a big deal. And we do that with the little sins. We're little sins that we like to keep. It's the little foxes that spoil the vineyard. It's the little things that spoil us. And so, so what God is saying is when I tell you to give up the M&Ms, when I tell you to let them go, let them go because I'm going to give you something far better in their place. Amen? Come on, everybody. I'm, I'm going I'm to give you something better. I'm going to give you something better. Another thing and the last thing I want to tell you about this story that really spoke to me is God gets the glory when we let go. If you read further in Exodus 2, you see that Jochebed, and that was Moses' mother's name, Jochebed, one day let go of Moses again. After she had nursed him and weaned him, her deal with Pharaoh's daughter was to give him back. So she let go of him once, and then she let go of him twice. She, she learned to let go and trust God. The first time, she let him go into the river of death. The second time, it might, have, it might as well have been the river of death because she's turning him over to a pagan culture and the queen of that pagan culture. But she says, I trust God. I'm going to let go and I'm going to let God. And this little boy, when she let him go into the river and then when she gave him back, he had to only be, I don't know, two or so when she gave him back again. Had to say goodbye again. And it was... Pharaoh's daughter that named him Moses because it means drawn out. She said, I'm calling him Moses because I drew him out of the water. But I want you to look now. She gave him up twice. Twice she let go of the most precious thing to her. And twice heaven sprang into action because that little boy would grow up to be mighty, to refuse the riches of Egypt, God kept him, we're told in Hebrews 12, that God kept him in Egypt. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused to give up his heritage. He refused the riches and glory and and, and the perks of being high up in Egypt. And he chose rather to suffer affliction with the children of God. God kept him. And one day that little boy, as a man, is walking through the wilderness and he sees a bush on fire, but it's not being consumed. And he said, what's this? And a voice spoke out, Moses. What? Moses. And now we know why 
He was a beautiful baby of favor because he would grow up to be the deliverer of the people that were enslaved and under genocidal edict. He became the the deliverer and he got there because he had a mama who was willing to let go and let God. Can we stand up together today? Let's lift our hands to the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your grace. Now I want you to say with me, Lord, I'll let go of anything that would stand in the way of what you want to do in my life in 2020. Any person, place, or thing, I let go. Have thine own way, Lord. I surrender all in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we thank the Lord today? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I'll tell you, it's going to be a good year. It's going to be a powerful year. It's going to be a year of anointing and blessing and forward movement. Amen. And I'm believing that for you today as well. Uh, Because of time, I need to let us go pretty quickly because there's already cars lining up out there. But please read the beautiful TPC Family Times magazine. Um, I have one. Here it is right here. Isn't this beautiful? And it is so well done. This young lady here, this is her second magazine. Raise your hand, Majesty. She's our new graphics director. How can you go wrong? How can you go wrong with the name Majesty Christian? What's the whole name? Majesty Champion Christian. You cannot fail with Majesty Champion Christian. Anyway, that's the magazine. It's full of everything you need to know about your church. Please get plugged into church this year. Don't be on the outside looking in. But plug in. Don't treat us like a restaurant. Don't just say, where, where do you want to eat today? No, I want you to plug in. You like this food. This is your family. I want you to make this your church home. Get your, get your roots down. Amen? So before New Year's, we're going to be the first to shout Happy New Year. I'm going to count to three. I want you to count with me. I want you to have a great New Year. No no service Wednesday night. Once again, we'll see you next Sunday in a brand new year and a brand new decade. Are you ready? Count with me. One, two, three. Amen. God bless you. Go out blessed. Amen.